With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back to Pod TST and Chargers Lately. I'm Kenneth Arthur with Turf Show Times. With me this week is Michael Peterson of Bolts from the Blue, the Chargers blog at SB Nation, as well as Chargers Lately, his Chargers podcast for SB Nation. And we are both covering the teams that play at SoFi Stadium here in Los Angeles the Rams and the Chargers and the SoFi Stadium is host to the Super Bowl next year. We just saw the Bucks become the first team to host the Super Bowl and they won. So what would happen if both teams were hosting the Super Bowl? How, how would that be solved? But that's what we're going to try and figure out. Well, definitely that's exactly what we're going to just talk about for the entire time here is how to solve the question of who would host the Super Bowl. But first, we'll talk about each team completely uh, in depth here and where they are in their respective uh, formations as they try and get ready for the 2021 season. Uh, The Rams making it to the playoffs last year and the Chargers not getting that far, but having very high expectations, reasonably so based on some stuff that we saw last year. So I'll talk to Michael about that. Michael, uh, thanks for doing the podcasts together here this week. I think it's uh, good to get some LA football discussion going now that there are two teams in the city. Um, but 
first for the people who are listening to this on the Rams side of things at turf show times, would you uh, just sort of summarize how the, how did the chargers do last year? Uh, what were the main takeaways for the 2020 chargers? Yeah. So first off again, good to be talking to LA football news is kind of dry right now, heading up to the combine or not, excuse me, there's lack of a combine there's pro days though. And with the NFL draft, you know, late next month, we got to do something, right? So, yeah, let's talk about the Chargers. If you want to paint a clear picture that covers just about everything, you got to talk about the good and you got to talk about the bad because there was plenty of both. Um, obviously, a little bit more bad having them finish with a losing record, seven and nine, did win the final four games of the regular season. To finish with that record could have been a lot worse. Most of the season, these guys were kind of headed towards. Uh, you know, a top five pick potentially, but now obviously pick uh, a 13 with that late season resurgence. The Chargers 2020 season, you know, obviously you have to talk about Justin Herbert, this guy who many people maybe didn't hold in such a highlight coming out of the 2020 class. You know, it was Joe Burrow, it was Tua, and then there was like some significant space before people said, yeah, it's Justin Herbert, you know. Um, people written them off. There was all kinds of things, you know, from pro football focus to other media groups that just said, you know, almost plainly that Herbert just flat out can't play. Basically saying like, it's not, you know, he doesn't have just a bunch of, you know, or a few bad things with his game. It's just like a ton of bad. Like he's just not going to be a good NFL quarterback. Well, obviously he proved all of them wrong with this full record breaking season. Um, most touchdown passes, total touchdowns, second total yards behind Andrew Lux from 2012. I mean, the guy rewrote the record book. So despite that amazing play from Herbert, the Chargers struggled in the ways that they normally do. There was the injury bug rearing its ugly head for what seems like the umpteenth time of the last, you know, 10, 15 years. Uh, there was the close losses, which is something that unfortunately marred the final two seasons of Anthony Lynn's time with the Chargers is that it didn't matter if the team was up by 10, in the fourth quarter, 12, 14, and even, you know, at one point, 21 points in the fourth quarter of this past season, the Chargers just kept finding ways to lose. And it wore on the team, it wore on the fan base, and obviously it wore enough on the front office to relieve Anthony Lynn of his duties. Now, with a 7-9 season, you know, to look back on, there was some good, again, still a lot of bad. The Chargers decided to go in a different direction and now have Brandon Staley as their head coach. He is what people are considering maybe a defensive-minded Sean McVay. Obviously, there was the, the big McVay craze where everyone wanted to hire anyone who, who breathed the same air as Sean McVay over the last couple of seasons. And the Chargers kind of dipped into that pool. And, and things are exciting looking at 2021. I know we'll talk about more of their expectations in depth, but overall, it was a roller coaster in 2020, but still plenty to kind of hang your hat on heading forward. Yeah, not the uh, kind of not the best roller coaster. Roller coasters don't always uh, just go up at the end. Uh, just getting off of the roller coaster at like the top of the mountain, uh, because as you said, they won their last four games, which I know a lot of Chargers fans, at least someone that I spoke to, was worried that that would keep Anthony Lynn on the team, which, as you said, mm -hmm. uh, is not the case. For anyone listening on the Chargers side, you know, a uh, quick summary of the Rams would simply, I think it was in a ways a lot like the 2019 season 
The Rams went 10 and six after going nine and seven the year before, uh, not just not enough on offense. The difference being that the Rams did have an elite defense last season. Number one in a lot of respects, a lot of different measurements. And of course, Brandon Staley being the defensive coordinator of that defense now with the chargers uh, the, a lot of that having to do with having Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, but at least the chargers know what it's like to have, you know, an elite pass rusher and an elite secondary player. So it seems like a good fit there for Brandon Staley, the Rams beat the Seahawks in the wild card round of the playoffs and then lost to the green Bay Packers, a game that I feel will get forgotten about as one that the Rams were closer to winning than a lot of people expected uh, the Rams. You know, there were a few plays in that game that, and maybe just one or two plays in that game that if they had gone a different way, you were just saying there were, there were opportunities there at the end for the Rams to get the ball back. Some non calls on defensive pass interference or offense pass interference. And that would have potentially gone the other way. And it's not to make any excuses for the Rams. It's just saying that sometimes teams are closer to winning games than the box score or memory will indicate. And a lot of people have said that the Rams were going to get, you know, really blown out by the Packers. That wasn't really the case. Um, so the Rams are looking to get better with the help of Matthew Stafford, who they traded for, last month or right at the end of January, I think. Um, and Matthew Stafford will be the quarterback next season instead of Jared Goff. So that seems to be what a lot of uh, Rams fans uh, and the Rams will be looking forward to is uh, even if everything or most of things will be the same as they were the last two years, uh, they will also be the same as they were in 2018 when the Rams went to the Super Bowl. And the difference is that Matthew Stafford will be the quarterback. Um, as the, how, how has the first, you know, month or whatever, month and a half been with Brandon Staley? How has the uh, atmosphere around the Chargers, do you think, changed because of Brandon Staley? Dude, honestly... Brandon Staley knocked out his, you know, his, his introductory press conference, knocked it out of the park. Absolutely. You could just feel the overwhelming amount of energy and excitement and almost just like wisdom coming from him as he speaks. And, and that was one of the first things that many of us, you know, on, on the calls pointed out is that this guy is just obviously so incredibly smart. And then the energy he brings, it's just tough to not listen to him speak about anything, but especially football, right? That it's tough not to get your hopes up. I, I think this is one of the best things to happen to Chargers fans in, in a long while. And again, you know, a game hasn't been played. Nothing's happened. But just based off him speaking and first impressions and then, you know, going forward with his staff, obviously meeting uh, our new OC in Lombardi, DC in Delano Hill. Uh, Ronaldo Hill, excuse me, um, Darius Swinton II, our new special teams coordinator. Every single guy just exerted uh, similar energy, similar intelligence, and just the way they spoke about the game and how they want to go about their business. It all just connected. And this is something that the Chargers in front office, uh, the Spanos spoke about, was really creating a vertical tree when it comes to this team. And, and they, you know, it was 
not exactly the word they use, but that everything's going to stem from the top. So Brandon Staley is going to be on top of offense, defense, and special teams. And there's just going to be a vertical funnel of connection from top to yeah. bottom. And again, that speaks volumes to a fan base that watched the special teams unit for the Chargers last season go from uh, George Stewart to then two guys you've never heard of handling it to then it was two guys plus a little bit of Anthony Lynn. And then at the end of the season, Anthony Lynn taking it over by himself. And, and I'll give it to Lynn. He actually made him look really good those last four games. Uh, Nasir Adderley had a 53 yard return and a 76 yard return. Uh -huh. um, they stopped letting kits get blocked. I mean, they were playing much better. So, uh, but it, you know, too little, too late here. Yeah. So, if you want just first impressions alone, Brandon Staley has just absolutely killed it. And then, just as someone who handles the media, the way he answers these questions, I mean, he is he's thoughtful and, and proactive and just wanting to give you the best information, the best answer possible. I mean, like yeah. that learned everybody's name. That makes um, sense. You know, the fact that McVeigh, you know, I think connections to McVeigh aren't just, you know, connections to McVeigh. I think they're also um, signals to the rest of the league that, uh, that McVeigh liked this guy when he picked him a year ago. What did McVeigh, you know, that I think it's like, he's a maybe McVeigh being, yeah, like that good talent scout, um, which, you know, Rams fans will be hopeful for with regards to having Raheem Morris uh, replace Brandon Staley as a defensive coordinator and the Rams have several new assistant coaches and all that. Um, but it does sound like it'll be interesting too to have Staley still coaching in Los Angeles in SoFi, even though, I mean, Rams fans and, you know, it's just one year, one season in the organization, although albeit a very successful season. Even now, you know, I, I still see, you know, some uh there was criticism of how Staley or how the defense played in the playoffs against the Packers despite you know like I said uh calls could have gone here and there I thought they played pretty well against Aaron Rodgers actually um but let's we've, we were gonna go through each roster um and each position group on each roster but we want to do that in a uh in a, in a consumable amount of time here Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So let's uh, begin uh, just by briefly summarizing the quarterbacks for each team. Uh, I've been on the record a bunch here, I think, in the last year that Justin Herbert, my favorite quarterback in the 2020 draft, my favorite young quarterback in the league, other than if I had to pick two quarterbacks under 30, it would be Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. I think he's got Super Bowl and MVP type ability um so i and now i've overinflated him i have one question for you though uh mm. if there was anything with regards to throwing 31 touchdowns in 15 games if there was anything that inflated that number what was it and if if not like do, could he have thrown even more if he had a better offensive line like what exactly what did those 31 touchdowns kind of feel like or look like and this is some you know you're a guy who's watched Philip Rivers for so long so you've seen quality play at quarterback what did that first 15 games look like to you 
Yeah, and I think you're you're rightfully able to ask that question of, of these pumped up stats just because you talked about Patrick Mahomes again being one of these quarterbacks, obviously the face of the NFL arguably right now. And, and some could point at, you know, he still throws a lot of touchdowns, don't get me wrong, but a handful of them are, you know, the little pop passes to guys in motion and shuffle passes and stuff like that that necessarily, you know, aren't so much someone playing the quarterback position to a point to throw a touchdown. It's more or less just executing, you know, motions and stuff like that. Um, but I look back and maybe you can look back too, but I don't think any of them were along those same lines. There were not jet sweeps. There were not pop passes. There were not shovel passes. I mean, the stuff that uh, you would consider maybe easy touchdowns once you get within the five yard line. Um, there were a lot of deep bombs, obviously. I think he was tied or just behind Russell Wilson in touchdown passes of over 50 yards. I think he led the NFL in deep passing yards, uh, or at least was in the top five, three, somewhere in that category. I mean, he was killing it when it came to the deep ball. And, and when you look at those touchdowns, it tells the tale. Deep bombs to, to Ron Johnson, uh, to Jalen Guyton. Uh, Mike Williams obviously has his fair share. And then there were plenty of touchdowns that he improvised on. There was, uh, I think, there was one to Keenan Allen against the Saints. It was a beautiful play where he got pushed out of the pocket, rolled to his right, and hit Allen with a bullet um, near the, the front right pylon. Uh, there was one where I think probably his easiest touchdown was when he got walloped against, I want to say it might have been, uh, I'm blanking, it might have been the Bills, uh, but he got walloped on like a throwback screen to the fullback, Gabe Neighbors. And he got it off just in time for neighbors to, to catch it and kind of run in without too much of an effort. So maybe you call that um, the easiest touchdown, but that's still him getting, you know, smacked in the mouth as he turned around to make the throw. Um, yeah. So, I mean, really looking back, this guy put in the work. He made smart plays. Uh, he did throw 10 interceptions, which really isn't a lot for a rookie quarterback. Especially is that his for- area of improvement? What's what is the thing he's got to improve? Uh, thing to improve, you know, um, he really seemed to settle down early on. I would have said that, you know, he needs to just, uh, forget the, the last play, move on, push forward, but he ended up getting better at that. Honestly. Um, I think if there's anything, um, maybe learning not to, to tuck it and run as much, uh, you know, we like design runs, but he took quite a few hits and he told me the last time we were able to speak with him that he's going to try to stay around 240 pounds, which is larger than he was at Oregon in order to sustain some form of health while getting smacked in the NFL. <laughs> um, for the, and for the Rams, like I said, I love Herbert. I really think that uh, with improvement around him too, it's, it's, it's really going to be exciting to watch and the Rams, you know, they will, if they hadn't have made this trade for Matthew Stafford, Herbert might've been, uh, you know, probably already was the, the best quarterback at SoFi stadium. I think Stafford, um, he's got other things going for him as opposed to Herbert, uh, that this one being just, you know, a guy in his early to mid thirties who has had so much experience, but never on, uh, consistently winning teams, you know, he made the playoffs a few times, but um, obviously some of that could have to do with Stafford. Some of it could have to do, but a lot of it should have to do with the lions. And now he gets to go to a place where, you know, we're really going to see whether, you know, Sean McVay, as we've said, is, has been held in such a high regard, especially offensively. 
beginning in 2017, having turned the Rams around from 32nd to first in points overnight, you know, that, that gets somebody a lot of respect. So that's going to be interesting to see with Matthew Stafford as opposed to Jared Goff, who I was never very high on. And I think the biggest difference between Goff and Stafford, at least statistically, um, is, is, Last year, Jared Goff was averaging 6.2 intended air yards per pass attempt, which only Drew Brees, I think, had a lower number than that. And Drew Brees is a great quarterback, but uh, was at the end of his career and also, you know, does a lot of things to make that 6.2 or whatever intended air yards per pass attempt um, very valuable and Matthew Stafford averaged 8.7 intended air yards per pass attempt. So two and a half yards more per pass, per pass attempt downfield. And that's the type of uh, difference that I expect to see with the Rams moving forward. Sean McVay opening up his offense, having a player at quarterback who he feels can throw the ball deep accurately um, and do a lot of other things that I just, think Jared Goff never proved able to do under McVeigh. Maybe, maybe in a different situation, he will play differently. I mean, I'm just, I'm assuming he'll definitely play differently, but whether or not he'll play better or not, uh, we'll see. But for both the Rams and the chargers, I think quarterback is at least a position that they feel comfortably set for the next couple of years. Um, definitely. I think in the case of the chargers, they would feel comfortable for a, a very long time. And I think the Rams could too, you know, Stafford being 32, it's, it's, it's a position that we've seen. You can play for, for a while. And, and at least in terms of the only time that matters, which is, you know, the foreseeable future uh, let's continue to go down the line here. Uh, so I'll just stick with that line of thinking the offensive line. I know this, can you just tell me, uh, Michael, who are uh, the players uh, and the positions that you feel like you can put down right now, starting next year for the chargers on the offensive line. And what are the positions of need on the offensive line? And are there any internal options that are interesting to you? Yeah, to be honest, I, I think the only name I can say for sure that will be back with the chargers starting on that line is Brian Bulaga, right tackle. Yeah. I think there's so much up in the air. And if you consider Sam Tevy left tackle, left guard Forrest Lamb and center Dan Feeney are all, I believe they're unrestricted free agents. I'm not sure just how many, if at all, of those guys come back. Sam Tevy probably had his best year at left tackle after being mainly a right tackle the last couple of years. This was Forrest Lamb's first season where he stayed healthy the entire time, um, which is huge news from a Lamb fan, uh, as big as I was back in 2017 when they drafted him. And Dan Feeney, again, has always been the picture of, of health but in terms of consistency in play, he has been pretty underwhelming since his rookie season where he was a bit of a surprise for the Chargers. Um, and then right guard Trey Turner was a guy they traded Russell Kung for prior to the 20 season. And to be honest, Trey Turner just unfortunately wasn't worth the price tag. Uh, he's set to make $11.5 million, I believe, next season. And for a guy who played less than half the games, and even when he was on the field, was still very underwhelming, uh, the Chargers could get some really – uh, some nice cap space by cutting him. And I, I don't think it, that both would be, you know, that much non well off uh, by doing that. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, I would like to see a whole revamp of the offensive line aside from, from Bulaga, but I think they probably re-sign one of those three, Tevi Lamb or Feeney, to, to create some form of a continuity with, with Justin Herbert. And I think if they're going to sign anyone, it should be Lamb and, and Sam Tevi. 
Uh, I just think Feeney is not worth a second contract. Uh, I think he can go somewhere else and try to chase that money. But if anything, I think there's going to be a, a bunch of new faces. As far as internal options, I don't think there are any. I'll be totally honest. I, I think uh, Trey Pipkins is not who they thought he was going to be or develop as fast as, as they hoped. Yeah. Um, other backups are Scott Questenberry, a former fifth-round pick. Um, Cole Turner played right guard when uh, Turner was out. I mean, there's not yeah. a lot of brand name, a lot of potential there. So I think they need to sign maybe one or two guys in free agency and maybe draft another one or two to potentially fight for one of those five starting spots. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of change for the L.A. Chargers and for the L.A. Rams. I'm going to say probably not a lot of change, if any. Uh, Andrew Whitworth had one of his uh, – had definitely one of a, a much better season than he did in 2019 and, and maybe one of his better career seasons, if not for an injury that wiped out almost half of the year for him. He's expected he's – not, he's not been saying anything about retiring. He'll be turning 40 in December. So we can expect him for now to be the, the left tackle, the right tackle, Rob Havenstein. He, he was graded very highly for by PFF and um, some other websites, uh, Sports Info Solutions, had him as the highest rated offensive lineman in the league. Uh, not a lot of people shared that eye test, but PFF did rate the Rams with the number three best offensive line last year for whatever that's worth. And I think that it, you know it's a lot of it is just – scheme design um things that help out their maybe their statistics if you can even call anything like that for offensive line but there were those two tackles uh should be back barring a retirement and then center austin blythe is the only free agent right guard austin corbett will either return at right guard or move over to center where he uh once the Browns tried once, tried him there. And the left guard, it, w- it was Joseph Nopum beginning of the year, but then he got hurt and David Edwards took over. David Edwards, who was a fifth-round pick in 2019 or 2018, uh, 2019, I believe, uh, was pretty good. So uh, he'll be back at left guard. And so it's really just a matter of center. And it would be interesting to see if Brandon Staley goes – is interested in Austin Blythe either as a center or guard and, and trying to make any changes there, or if the Rams will take any interest in someone like, uh, you know, uh, one of the, the Rams players that is exiting the, who may be a project if he's not going to be a starter, like a forest lamp or something like that. So that'd be interesting to watch. Um, let's move on to the offensive weapons. So wide receivers, tight ends. I know that Hunter Henry is a free agent again after getting tagged last year. Uh, do you expect Mike Williams to be back? Uh, you know, I'm a little torn on that because one, I think if you know, Tom Telesco, um, he likes the uh, philosophy of draft, resign, develop. So keeping the guys that he brings in the NFL, and keep them with the team, developing their system, and he likes the success they get from that. Mike Williams, again, former first-round wide receiver, you can argue he's had maybe one year of living up to a top-10 pick, right? That was 2018 where, um, you know, he didn't break 1,000 yards, but he had 11 total touchdowns. He was the the first, uh, what was it, Chargers wide receiver, I think since 94, to catch at least 10 touchdown passes in a season, which is, you know, a notable uh, stat for him to have yeah broke a thousand yards uh the next year but only had two touchdowns and then 2020 was kind of in the middle i think he had four or five touchdowns uh-huh. um, off the top of my head i think roughly 700 800 yards so again he's been fine but is he worth the the money he's going to get 
on the fifth year of his contract. And I just don't think that's the case. I think it's between 12 to 14 million. I think overall, it might be a cap hit of 15 million, um, which is top five wide receiver money or at least close to it. Uh, and I think if, if he comes back to the Chargers, I believe it's they resend the option, sign him to a team friendly deal. Otherwise, I, I don't think he can play on his fifth year and have the team be able to make the moves they need in free agency to, to be as competitively in the immediate for Justin Herbert and in Brandon Staley's first season. And um, um, with, uh, just wondering, uh, you know, with regards to Keenan Allen, how is that relationship with Herbert? Oh, it's phenomenal. Um, I think Allen loved Herbert from the get-go. I think you saw it on the field that their their chemistry was established almost immediately. I mean, right away, he was catching double-digit uh, passes, for sure double-digit targets, obviously, every single game. And, and he was on pace to potentially have one of his better years uh, before missing the final two games. And he barely played in, in uh, the game before those last two as well. Um, I think it was against the Raiders. He was more of a decoy, had one catch for 19 yards. So essentially he missed, you could argue, the final three. And he finished, I believe, three yards under 1,000 yards. And, you know, if you extrapolate, right, he's probably close to 1,300 receiving yards, probably close to 120 uh, receptions, which was a, which would have been a career high. Uh, I mean, he was about to have a career year, right? Um, so I think, he, you know, he loved it. Uh, but, you know, the team success, when that went down the drain, uh, he realized that he needs to focus on himself. So he's yeah. just chasing his stats, unfortunately, at the moment. And I wanted to also ask about Jalen Guyton, you know, briefly. Uh, are there any receivers who could uh, step up with a lot more targets? Yeah, Teron Johnson is a guy that stepped up uh, immediately, you know, before the Bucks game where he caught that huge touchdown pass. He was in Anthony Lynn's office the, the early that morning or, or the day before and said, Coach, like, I really want to play will you please bring me up or he made some case for himself and and lynn said yes we are bringing you up and you obviously saw what he did so teron johnson immense speed um and just seemed to really also establish a, a quick connection with herbert so he's a guy that i think a lot of fans will need to keep an eye on tyron johnson caught 20 of 26 targets for 398 yards and averaged 20 yards per catch and 15 mm -hmm. yards per target which is huge even though you know it's 26 only 26 targets but still it's very interesting the rams still have robert woods and cooper cup like i said a lot is going to continue to be the same woods and cup uh but josh reynolds is a free agent might be a player who the chargers would uh like if they did cut mike williams and, and if they wanted to find another uh sort of bigger deeper target um but uh the rams you know the hope a lot of hope penned on van van jefferson second round pick last year the oldest receiver in the draft but uh, one of the least productive as a rookie so it'll be interesting to watch to see if there's development there with van jefferson because of the addition of matthew stafford but i think the addition of matthew stafford is meant to improve a lot of the other needs and positions so speaking of that let's continue down the line which is Running backs, uh, you got Austin Eckler. Uh, I know that there was Josh Kelly was drafted last year and also had Justin Jackson in tow. Is, is running back going to be anything that is a need this year for the Chargers? Possibly. I, I think behind Austin Eckler, you've obviously got some issues with uh, inexperience and you've got health issues. And some may argue that Austin Eckler isn't exactly a true RB1, right? A bell cow type guy, but that's not what the NFL really is these days. Austin Eckler is a Camara type player where they may only get half the, the rushes, uh, maybe the majority, maybe not, 
but you know, close to 10, 11 rushes, but still catch maybe, you know, five, six, seven passes and get targeted a lot in, in the passing game. So he's going to get 20 plus touches, but he may not just be, again, this bell cow type rusher. Behind him, you have Justin Jackson, who has never stayed healthy for a single season early in his career. Joshua Kelly was one of the most inefficient running backs in the NFL for ball carriers that I believe had at least 100 carries uh, in during the season. Behind that, you've got Darius Bradwell, a UDFA. Troy Main Pope comes and goes as a former UDFA. So there's not a lot of established experience at that position. And so I wouldn't be surprised to see the Chargers potentially pick a guy in the draft or maybe even sign a veteran to just add some form of depth in 2021. Yeah, veteran, you know, one potential veteran might be Malcolm Brown, who is a free agent, potentially leaving the Rams this year after five seasons with the team. And so uh, maybe Malcolm Brown could uh, fill a role for you or another team. Um, the, The Rams will be starting Cam Akers and they still have Daryl Henderson there who started out last season as last season as a starter and did okay, but uh, just wasn't as explosive as Cam Akers was at the end of the year, not as explosive and, and, and impactful as Akers was. So the Rams, you know, they could have a need there. I, I think that the bigger need would be for the Rams. So just looking at the offensive needs for the Rams, their needs would be, interior of the offensive line, specifically maybe center. And they would also, I think maybe it could look for a tight end, a receiving threat tight end. You know, I think that Robert Woods and Cooper cup would both be capable and they've proved capable of being deep threats. They just weren't able to be deep threats. with Jared Goff the last couple of years, but if there was another big tight end, you know, if the Rams could spend a lot of money, you know, it might be someone like a Jonu Smith or Zach Ertz or something like that. Uh, they probably won't be able to do that, but it, I think maybe a tight end could be maybe an interesting need, but obviously interior of the offense line probably fills, takes the top spot. Uh, what, what would you see as the Chargers' top offensive needs? I mean, you can't look away from offensive tackle and potentially offensive guard, right? They need at least a left tackle uh, for this next season, and they may have to replace both guards. So this is a draft where kind of like 2017 when they did draft Lamp and then and Feeney right after him they're probably going to have to double dip at offensive line. And I think this is a good class to do it. I think the tackle class is, is deeper than people think. It is an underwhelming uh, interior line draft with some of the top guys being Wyatt Davis, Ohio State, Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma. But if they pick a tackle in the first round, I think there's going to be a really good guard or center, whatever they prefer at the time in that second round. All right, looking at the defenses for each team and starting with the defensive line for the Rams, defensive player of the year, Aaron Donald returns again, and and that'll be the strength of the team. And around him, it'll be interesting to see if anything changes. Ashawn Robinson and Michael Brockers return, but both could potentially be cap casualty candidates. Sebastian Joseph Day plays pretty good. He's he's been a decent value for what he for what he is. But, you know, the Rams probably their only potential defensive line need would depend if they if they do cut somebody. And also Morgan Fox is a free agent who played surprisingly quite well at the end of the year and might be a bigger loss than many expect. But right now, I would say their defensive line for the Rams is always going to be a strength as long as they have Aaron Donald. And now Brandon Staley goes from coaching Aaron Donald to Joey Bosa. What else is going on with the Chargers? Uh, how did Bosa look last year and the rest of the players around him? I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. 
From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Um, man, this defense is, it's like most years, it's going to be filled with potential. You know, uh, you got the building blocks, like you've said, Joey Bosa. Derwin James is hopefully coming back. It's so weird to think that this so man. Yeah, starting with just with the defensive line. Like, oh, so defensive line. Good. I apologize. I think you broke up a little bit. Apologies. Defensive oh. line. So, yes, this is where the Chargers used to hang their hat on. It used to be Bosa and it used to be Melvin Ingram. And they've always been on these lists of top pass rushing duos year in and year out. And unfortunately, they got an extremely underwhelming year from their defensive line outside of Joey Bosa in 2020. Melvin Ingram was paid $14 million. This guy got uh, held out uh, to get some form of guaranteed money because he had none prior to 2020. Got $14 million, and unfortunately in seven games that he was healthy for, had zero tackles for loss, zero sacks, which is, again, that doesn't tell you the whole story of his play, yeah. but it's hard to justify those types of numbers. And and Justin Jones, I think, had his first sack of his career. I think he told the media after the season he was pumped about that. But that's in year three yeah. for this guy, albeit a defensive tackle. Chenna uh, Nwosu was a bright spot. He was second on the team in sacks, but for the life of me, could not find the field for some reason. Coaches said they liked him in more of a rotational role, despite being the best guy at getting after the quarterback other than Bosa. Jerry Tillery saw a spark a little bit, ended up being um, – a guy who, who who had too many penalties called against him. Um, his progression looked to be going up and kind of tapered off again. I think this is a position that needs to get rejuvenated with some life. Obviously, Linval Joseph came in and brought a lot of effort, brought a, a different type of play, a true nose tackle for this defense to to, to work with. But overall, I, I think this work or this group needs a lot of work to to put the right type of talent around Joy Bosa, especially the type of players that he deserves to play with. Yeah. And Brandon Staley, uh, you know, coming from his history, you know, having worked with the bears defense under Vic Fangio, where he worked with Khalil Mack and, and, and then, you know, so they're great linebackers. And then he goes to Denver, works with Von Miller and Bradley Chubb before he got injured. And, and then he goes to the Rams and he's working with Aaron Donald and uh, he's, and Leonard Floyd. And so he's, he's worked with these players. So I would imagine that he's going to be able to attract talent and free agency, as well as being able to get the most out of these players. It'll be interesting to see what they do with the Chargers linebackers for the Rams linebackers, you know, last season, Leonard Floyd having uh 10 and a half sacks, which was a career high, although, you know, was, uh, they really were bunched up into three games, two against the Seahawks. Um, so you really, you know, they would just, the, the Brandon Staley had great plans for how to get the Seahawks uh, down, I guess. Is, and uh, the, and so Leonard Floyd benefited from that. So, but he'll be a free agent. I don't know if I expect him to be back. The Rams have, not a lot of name players in their linebacking group. And that's why it could be their, one of their biggest needs in the draft and in free agency to, to, to go out there and look for linebackers with regards to the chargers. You know, it was very interesting to see them draft Kenneth Murray and trade up 
Not only that, but Tom Telesco never trades in the draft, mm -hmm. traded up for Kenneth Murray in the first round. So I'm really curious to see how Kenneth Murray did and uh, whether or not the Chargers have any uh, other interesting linebackers. Yeah, I think that's a position that had a ton of excitement going into 2020. Unfortunately, in that first game against the Bengals, on the second defensive drive, Drew Tranquil, who was a very promising rookie, went down with a broken ankle, and it, everyone saw it. It almost happened in slow motion with an offensive lineman kind of pulled out to lead up on a screen for the running back, and Tranquil's foot got caught in the turf. He fell from that, and then you saw the lineman just fall on top of him, and you almost knew instantaneously that he was hurt. And so he missed the, the entire season, unfortunately, but that was a guy who blocked two punts as a rookie on special teams and was a guy who has a lot of athleticism. I got the chance to talk to him at the senior bowl a couple of years ago and high quality guy just was going to come in and obviously was a starter to, to begin the season. Kenneth Murray comes in as well. Uber athletic, true sideline to sideline range. His growing pains though, were, were, were finding his groove and coverage. This was a guy who did not cover anyone, but running backs out of the backfield at Oklahoma. When I spoke to his coach, Brian Odom, their linebackers coach at OU, he said that he believed he had the ability to do it, but he was not asked to do that all that much. He was on, he was basically like, if the quarterback looked like he was going to run, he, he blitz. And, uh, and if the running back went somewhere, he followed the running back. So uh -huh. that's where he'll have to improve. Um, did a little bit better the second half of the season. So we like Kenneth Murray. If he, Brandon Staley did say he's going to stay in the middle. So if they go to a 3-4, he will be a middle backer for the Chargers in case anyone was wondering. Um, other than that, Kaiser White has shown some potential, got hurt after a couple games. It was rookie season that were very promising. Uh, athletic guy, again, there, there is just in general a lot of athleticism, a lot of talent here, but they're young. So yeah. give them maybe another year or two to, to gel together. But otherwise, this is a pretty exciting linebacker. Uh, the Rams have a very exciting cornerback, Jalen Ramsey. Troy Hill is a free agent. Darius Williams is a restricted free agent that I think the Rams would love to keep. So it looks like the Rams could be looking for a Troy Hill replacement. David Long Jr., a third-round pick in 2019, has, has not done anything to date. So it seems like the Rams would be in the need for a cornerback if they're not able to retain Troy Hill. And one of the teams that could be going after him maybe would be Brandon Staley and the Chargers. What is the situation at cornerback? For the Chargers, it's a group that really had a ton of talent. Again, heading into the season, this was probably viewed as the most elite, best secondary in the country. And then all of a sudden, Desmond King's traded after four or five games to the Titans. Derwin James goes out, but in quarterbacks, cornerbacks specifically, Casey Hayward unfortunately looked like he lost a step. I think in terms of yards he allowed, missed tackle percentage. They were essentially worse than his past two seasons combined. I mean, he was just couldn't find a groove, could not catch a break. He was just getting exploited by opposing quarterbacks, especially in scramble drills. He was just not able to keep up with his man for longer than, you know, yeah. the first couple plays, uh, seconds into the game. Uh, Chris Harris, I thought played well, but unfortunately he missed a, a good chunk of the season and maybe didn't find his groove either uh, with this new team, even though he was with a former uh, coach of his and, and Ron Miles. And then you've got Mike Davis, who is a free agent. I think he's priority number one for the Chargers to re-sign. Even over Hunter Henry, I think he's that important. He's got the speed. Um, you've got people like Doug Farrar of USA Today saying he's one of the best zone corners in the league. I mean, not just, uh, you know, top 
of his team, but one of the best in the NFL. So he, he's got a lot of love out there. I do like Michael Davis, but behind those three, you've got undrafted free agents and Brandon Faison, uh, Tavon Campbell, former CFL player, and, and some guys that you just don't have a lot of confidence in. So overall, this is a draft where I think the Chargers may have to go cornerback in either round two or round three. Okay. Um, yeah, the, the Rams could also be looking at cornerback on day two. And they did that uh, at safety in 2020 when they drafted Terrell Burgess, which is they took Terrell Burgess in the third round. Uh, and they have Terrell Burgess and they have their other safety is Jordan Fuller, who they drafted in the sixth round. Jordan Fuller, full-time starter as a rookie last year, ahead of Terrell Burgess, you know, in terms of being important to the defense last year. But Burgess, you know, he, either he could slide into that slot cornerback position or stick at safety and compete to replace John Johnson, who will be a free agent. It seems hard for the Rams to be able to re-sign John Johnson. Um, so the, the the Rams situation at safety is that they're okay. They've got Taylor Rapp, who's also a, potentially a candidate to play linebacker because he's not a very good coverage safety. So, and he was a second round pick a couple of years ago. So the Rams, they've got a lot of options at safety, although, you know, uh, it's, it's interesting. They don't may not have any guy with a, a high as, as high of a ceiling with John Johnson. It's just not really clear at this point yet. Um, I know that I, everybody loves Derwin James and wants to see him be able to be healthy, assuming that that happens. You know, Michael, what else do the Rams have it? Excuse me. Do the Chargers have it safety? Do you think that Brandon Staley would have any reason to call up his buddy, John Johnson, who uh, was calling all the plays on his defense last year? You know, I, I think there's a lot of possibility there. Um, I hadn't looked into John Johnson a, a ton uh, this offseason yet, but I you know started seeing a lot of love from other people saying that he would be a great fit for the Chargers. So I started looking in and, and realizing this guy was a good deep safety. And the Chargers are going to be running more cover two than they have been in terms of uh, they've been a huge cover three team, obviously, with Gus Bradley. Um, but bringing in John Johnson, who could contrast with Derwin James, who Staley already said is going to be moved all around the defense, just like he, he always has been phenomenal player that he is. Uh, I think a guy like Johnson, a true single high safety that can stay back there and you don't have to worry about too much. Um, I think that'd be a great call because you look at the safety group now, they may lose Rayshon Jenkins if they don't feel like paying him on his new contract. And this year, Adderley, former second round pick from Delaware, hasn't obviously missed his first season and his second season missed a lot of tackles, just didn't look like he was comfortable with the game at all. Um, if you want, again, to talk about a move where it would maximize the immediate success of the Chargers this coming season. I think John Johnson does fit uh, in those plans. You know, the Rams would uh, hate to lose him. And I know the Rams fans would too, uh, but the Rams like to try and draft, you know, a year ahead of when they expect to lose somebody. So they drafted Terrell Burgess. Last year, they drafted Terrell Lewis, who might be able to fill Leonard Floyd's spot as a pass rushing linebacker uh, if Terrell Lewis is able to stay healthy, which has never been the case. But looking at the, the Rams' defensive needs, uh, I would say cornerback would be up there and linebacker, of course, might be number one. Um, but you know, edge rusher uh, would be a third consideration. And it might be that they would look at safety again. And, and because there is such a huge need for those hybrid type of players who, who could be safeties, could be linebackers, could be cornerbacks, 
um, and could cover some of these dangerous tight end and slot options that the NFL has to offer now running backs. There's so many different types of players that you have to cover these days. Uh, what would you say are the Chargers' biggest needs on defense? Uh, I think top two for sure are going to be cornerback and edge rusher. I, I think I, I just spoke about cornerbacks being an older group and the one that has a talent and youth on his side is Mike Davis. Otherwise you're too old or otherwise you uh, just don't have much going for you there. And then the second one being edge rusher, I think they're going to lose uh, Melvin Ingram and with them potentially moving to a different defense, maybe they don't want an end that uh, is mirroring Bosa to be someone like Chen Nwosu, who's only 6'2", 240 pounds. Maybe they want someone a little bit bigger in size, maybe a more true base end there. And again, this is a good class to potentially to find one. Um, guys like uh, Basham from Wake Forest. Uh, you got Ojolari from Georgia. I mean, some good, good pass rushers. And then in terms of free agents, obviously there's Leonard Floyd. A lot of people think he may end up with the Chargers as well. Yeah, I mean, he's followed Staley so far. I also have to ask you because, you know, the Rams, they don't have any first-round picks. They won't have any first-round picks. You can't even – I was trying to think if I could even do an article about the 2023 first-round draft picks, uh, and the Rams don't have that. So there, there's just no real way to talk about first-round picks. The Chargers, they have an okay one this year. Last year, they had a very high one. They got Herbert. I'm just kind of curious uh, who your dream pick would be or or who a lot of Chargers fans are dreaming of it to be. Well, I think the dream would be Penny Sewell, but he's more than likely gone in the top five. After that, I think it's off of the tackle or bust. So you're looking at Rashawn Slater uh, from Northwestern, versatile guy, can play all five positions, can still play tackle in the NFL. Uh, Elijah Vera Tucker is, is another guy, again, position versatile just was phenomenal for the trojans he's right in the backyard of the team i, I think he would just help in terms of bringing easy fans to the chargers as well we're still talking about that fan ordeal um i think those would probably be the dream picks i think anyone most of the fan base at least would be upset if they pick anyone else that's not an offensive lineman in the first round do you have any positional fears like uh that they'll draft a wide receiver is there any like one position that you're like this would be the worst and it would be a chargers thing to do yeah, I think that would be wide receiver. Um, you know, yeah, it would be cool, I guess, for, for Kyle Pitts, or, you know, who obviously the top tight end, might as well just be a big wide receiver um, in this draft class. You know, yeah, it'd be cool to add him into offense, but this fan base is just seeing far too often over and over and over again, this offensive line holding the team back. And if this isn't the year with a new coach to kind of turn the tables around on that, to, to show you you're committed to that important position group up front, then I don't know what is. So it would definitely be a skill position player on offense. Yeah. Um, so finally, you know, uh, I'm curious about the 2021 expectations, you know, for me and the LA Rams, I, I got to say that I, I do think that the Rams are the best team in the NFC West after acquiring Matthew Stafford. You know, they were right there with the Seahawks as the best team in the division last year. And I think that they made the bigger move. It's such a huge difference from Jared Goff to Matthew Stafford, in my opinion. And I think that a lot of people will see a huge difference in how the offense is able to perform with a different quarterback next season. And even if the defense isn't number one, I think so long as they're in the top 10, as long as they're respectable, which when you have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, it's hard not to be, then I expect the Rams 
to be in the competition for the number one seed in the NFC and, you know, up there with the Green Bay Packers as very, and, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as very obvious to me, Super Bowl competitors next season. And I think the Seahawks are among the teams and the Saints that have taken steps back. So I do have expectations for the Rams to go, you know, 13 and four, 14 and three, these crazy ass records that we're uh, supposed to now remember to predict now that it's 17 games, but I think the Rams are up there as the best team in the NFC. What are your thoughts on the Chargers next season? Expectations are going to be high. I mean, again, from the talent that's on paper to the coaching staff and everything that they've, they've told us and, and, and kind of expressed for them to be, uh, ex, uh, you know, expectations are going to be very high. Uh, offense, again, has everything they need. Defense, should they stay healthy? Again, and this all is under the umbrella of if the team stays healthy, which is a tough thing to ask for the Chargers. But it's just, unfortunately, something that kind of comes with being a fan of this team. In terms of record, uh, I don't think it's it's um, out of the ordinary to say that it's it could be double-digit wins, a 10-7, and seven, you know, 11 and, and, and six. I, I think no matter what, they're going to be behind the Chiefs until they just show that they're the better team. I think, again, they, uh, to be the best, you got to take down the best. And until they show that they can handle the Chiefs, that this is going to be their division. So if, if they make the playoffs, it's it's a wild card. Um, and if they, you know, have a good season, I think, again, probably 10-7, and seven, uh, some form of a winning record just over 500. You know, I, I gotta say, you know, my, I'm maybe it's just cause I'm this kind of guy, but I, I did feel I had very positive feelings about the bucks a year ago. Uh, even without Tom Brady I had very positive kind of feelings for the bucks and the season that they would have. And I look at the LA chargers. I don't think that the, I don't think that the plan has to wait two or three more years. I think that in the modern NFL, you've seen, Patrick Mahomes take his team to the Super Bowl in his second season as a starter. You've seen um, and, you know, have a lot of success in his first season as a starter. You've seen Russell Wilson go to the Super Bowl in his second season as a starter. You've seen the Eagles go to the Super Bowl in Carson Wentz's second season as a starter, even if Wentz wasn't in the playoffs. You've seen the Rams go to the Super Bowl in the third year of Jared Goff and really the second year of him and Sean McVay. So it was one year of Justin Herbert, maybe this second year, maybe this is too soon and a lot of people, and maybe it is, you know, maybe the first year of Brandon Staley, uh, maybe it's really the, maybe next year will be the year year, you know, maybe 2022, but I have no problems. I have no qualms. I like Justin Herbert a lot. I think even drafting a tackle in the first round, you know, these guys have proven a lot more capable of being NFL ready. All of the tackles in the first round last year were 21 years old and you had Tristan Wirfs win a Super Bowl with the Buccaneers. You had uh, Jedrick Wills, Helped the Browns win the first playoff game in 25 years. So I think that the Chargers can draft a tackle. He can immediately help the offensive line. Justin Herbert takes the next step forward. And this is me now making a long uh, pitch about the Chargers. But, you know, for me, I like the Chargers a lot. And I'll even go as far to predict a Rams-Chargers Super Bowl next season. Um, briefly, uh, you know, Michael, tell me why I'm wrong why you're wrong well you know as great as that sounds and it would be ideal for again two of us who, who cover the team you know a, a trip to potentially go to the super bowl to to do that would be absolutely fantastic um i would just tell you again involving any prediction that involves the chargers and positivity 
to just remember that this is a team that has a knack for uh, really bad luck. And when they make history, which seems to be, you know, whether it's it's good or bad, I think it's more on, on the bad side. For every Justin Herbert, for the Chargers, they get five seasons of blowing double-digit leads, you know, however many in a row to, to set a new record, right? So I'll just say that for the Chargers to make the Super Bowl, they'll have to exercise an incredible amount of demons in terms of the injury bug, blown leads, just everything in that negative category. You know, the Chargers have to to exercise some form uh, of demons. So I like the prediction, but just remember which team you're talking about. (laughs) That's fair. That is uh, completely fair. Maybe that is you know, somebody from the outside really looking in because from the inside, you know, I understand uh, what that those demons must feel like. Um, uh, but uh, yes, uh, Michael, thank you so much for joining me on this joint podcast, Pod TST and LA Weekly. No, that's the name of the magazine. Uh, Chargers, Chargers Daily because uh, you've got to Chargers lately because you use the LA. <laughs> That's what it is. You Chargers lately. Um, any p- parting thoughts for the listeners today? Not a whole lot. I'm, I'm glad we covered all this stuff. I'm glad we got to talk about both these teams. There's tons to be excited about. Each team has star power out the wazoo. Yeah. And in a town like Los Angeles where it's not normal unless there is star power coming out the wazoo, um, it's just phenomenal for both fan bases uh, to get fans finally in SoFi Stadium. Hopefully, to some degree, next year will be fantastic. Uh, whether that means potentially me or you finally getting to go there, and yeah. obviously, I haven't I haven't seen the stadium yet. You have, but just to be able to, to have that experience would be phenomenal this season. So, tons of reason to be excited, and the fans again should be just absolutely stoked. That's it for this episode of Pod TST and Chargers Lately. Thank you for listening. And let's see if that SoFi Stadium battle for who is the home team happens next year.